Revelation 21.5 says, Behold, I am making all things new. Who knows God wants to do something new in your life this year? New decade, new year, new you. God wants to do something new. I don't want to experience what happened last year, this year. I want God to do something fresh in my life. Now, has anyone ever asked you an odd question? Sort of sitting there going, it's a bit of a strange question. You don't, sort of, you don't say that to them because it's rude. But I was on an aeroplane to Sydney recently, and I was sitting there, and this, this bloke said to me, by the way, a bloke is a bloke. Um, <laughs> this human being uh, said to me, uh, where are you flying to? And I said, oddly enough, Sydney, you? <laughs> you know, sometimes people ask you strange questions in life. Jesus loved to ask strange questions. In fact, in the Gospels, he asks 135 questions. He asks questions like, who do people say that I am? He asks questions like, do you see the nail scars in my hand? Why do you worry? He asked many times, why do you worry? And then famously, he said to his father, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Repeating David's question from the Psalms. One of the questions Jesus asked could be seen in modern terms to be politically incorrect. We're going to read a story from the Gospel of John, chapter 5, in the message translation. And as we read it, see if we can spot this really uncomfortable question. So soon after the feast came around and Jesus was back in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, there was a pool in Hebrew called Bethsaida with five alcoves. Hundreds of sick people, blind, crippled, paralyzed, were in these alcoves. One man had been an invalid for 38 years. Jesus saw him stretched out by the pool and knew how long he'd been there. He said, do you want to get well? Hint, hint. The sick man said, sir, when the water is stirred, I don't have anybody to put me in the pool. By the time I get there, somebody else is already in. Jesus said, get up, take up your bedroll and start walking. The man was healed on the spot. He picked up his bedroll and walked off. That day to be the Sabbath, happened to be the Sabbath, the Jews stopped and healed the man and said, it's the Sabbath, you can't carry your bedroll around, it's against the rules. Just some context to the story, back in, back in the Middle East in Bible times, beggars would sit on the side of roads, marketplaces, public areas and they would beg for their lives. There was no no government assistance. There was no local churches handing out uh, food. There was no food banks. There was no health services. All there was was people begging. And if they didn't get a crust, they didn't get a drop of water, they would die. We don't know his name. All we know is for 38 years, he was in the same position. He was a cripple. And his goal in life was to get into this pool. Because this pool was no ordinary pool. Every day, the Bible says, hundreds of people would gather at this pool, the pool of Bethsaida. I think I've got a picture of it. It's going to come up. There it is. And uh, thank you, Asaf Peretes, Israel Antiques Authority, for providing us that picture. (laughs) You are a real blessing to us. They are great people. Every day, people would stand around this pool in these alcoves and the very first person who hit the water would be instantly healed. 
Now, we don't know whether this was a magical pool. We don't know if it was superstitious. We don't know if it was spiritual. The Bible does not give us much detail what this pool was. All we know is that when lepers, when people who were missing limbs got into the pool, when they came out, they were healed. Who knows if there was a pool in Allen that you jumped into and you had cancer, but when you got out, you'd be healed. Who knows that there would be a small gathering there every morning. And so this was the situation. I mean, it's a little bit like New Year's Day at Ross, dress for less. The first person through the door, apparently their life changes forever as they grab a bargain. I went to Ross, dress for less yesterday. It was a brilliant experience. I thought it said Ross, dress less, but it was dress for less. Anyway, that's a different, whole different thing. Sorry if that's offended anyone. Please send the pastor an email. But this, this pool was made up of five colonnades, or I like to call them five diving boards. And people would stand on the edge, and the, someone would stir the water, and they would jump. And hundreds of invalids would hustle, and they would fight to get in the water first. But our invalid friend, who doesn't have a name, he never stood a chance. He was so paralyzed that unless he got help, the Bible said it took four people. He would never stand a chance in touching the water. So for 38 years, he watched everybody else get their miracle. 38 years, he watched everyone else hit the water first. And he stayed in his disabled parking position. And every year, he had the same goal, to make it into the water first. I think many of us are like this invalid. We have goals. We set New Year's resolutions. Maybe your goal this year isn't to get in the pool first, but maybe it's to a career goal. Maybe it's to get a promotion. Maybe it's to get a new job. Maybe it's to a financial goal. Maybe it's to save money, invest money. Maybe it's a health goal. Maybe it's to lose weight. Maybe it's to eat better. Maybe it's a relational goal. Maybe it's to go out on a date this year. Maybe it's to stop having a date this year. Maybe it's personal goals. We all have goals in life. We all have things we're aiming for. Maybe your goal is to, to get well this year. My personal goal is to be present when I'm present. Every year I say, God, give me a personal goal. And, you know, has anyone ever, is anyone ever present but absent? You know, you can be present at the dinner table with your kids but absent. Because you're on your phone. Worst thing ever is when your kids say, Daddy, get off your phone. Because you're present but you're absent. So we all have goals, we all have things that we struggle with, we all have things that we need to do in life and we all have a pull that we're aiming towards and the rules of the game were simple. Whoever gets into the water first has the best day of their life. That was the rules of the game. Then one day the game changes because Jesus appears at the pool and Jesus asks him this politically incorrect question he says this to a third to a man who has been sick he is an invalid we don't know if he was missing limbs and he says to this man he says do you want to get well I mean is he crazy I mean imagine you're sick in bed you've been sick in bed for 38 years and someone comes in a preacher comes in hello sister do you want to get well what do you think 
I want to talk this morning, that was the short intro. Do you want to get well? That's the message today. Do you want to get well? Now, I don't want anyone thinking in this sermon, oh, I wish my husband was here to hear this. God, if only, my, if only that person in my God. Now, God is speaking to us today. The reason you're here is because you need it. Okay, so we're all here to hear it. And greetings to everyone who's watching online. Is it in Wiley? That's good. Where else? Prosper. May you prosper in all things. Anywhere else? That's it for today. There we go. Do you want to get well, Prosper? Can you imagine this response? If I'd have been a handicap in this space for 38 years, I'd be thinking, that is the most obnoxious, rude question I've ever been asked. Isn't it obvious, Jesus? Can you see my arm? It's not there. I wonder if Jesus was here today and he asked us that question. Do you really want to get well? I wonder what our response would be. You know, we all have areas in our lives that we need to get well in. It could be physically, it could be relationally, it could be emotionally, it could be spiritually. We all have an area of our life that we struggle with. I think if we're serious about getting well and achieving the goals and the plans and that God has for us, we've got to ask ourselves from this story five questions. We just t- if you take notes, write these down, five questions. If we're really serious about getting well, here's five questions. Number one is this, am I prepared to be honest with myself? Jesus had a pretty frank, honest conversation with this chap. He said, do you really want to get well? Jesus asks this question, not because... He realized, not because he realized that he didn't want to get well, but Jesus realized if he got well, then this beggar's life was going to change. Let me explain. If he gets well, he's going to have to get a job. If he gets well, he's going to have to start paying taxes. If he gets well, it means he's going to have to start renting a house. If he gets well, he will have to start taking responsibility for his life. You see, for the last 38 years, he didn't take any responsibility. Everyone else was responsible for him. And Jesus wanted to make sure, before he performed the miracle, that he wasn't too comfortable in his current circumstances. You know, you can get comfortable in depression because you attract attention. You can get comfortable in your sickness. You can get comfortable where you are in life. And actually, we like the thought of getting well. But the reason many of us aren't well is because we don't ask ourselves the question, do we really want to get well? Jesus wanted to make sure that. You know, when I was 17, like many of you, I was desperate to drive. I'd hitch rides, got a bicycle, took the bus, you name it, to get from A to B. As soon as I hit 17, like in the, in the UK at 17, we're able to drive. And then I realized to drive, I had to take driving lessons. Then I realized I had to get this thing called insurance. And the insurance was worth more than my red Ford Escort. And then we had, to, we had this thing in the UK called road tax, which means you have to tax the car. And then I realized that the car does not move unless you put gas in it. Our gas is like triple yours, by the way. And then when I got into town, 
I had to pay money to park my car at the shops. I just went back to the bus. <laughs> just sit there, someone drives for you. I was a student, so I got it for free. If I was honest, the bus was actually easier than the car. Often we get so comfortable in our current situation, it stops us moving forward. You know, God wants to do something unique in your life this year. God wants to do something supernatural like he did in this invalid. But it starts by asking ourselves this question. Do you really want to get well? Not do you like the sound of getting well. Do you really want to get well? So why don't we be honest here and ask ourselves this question. What area of my life do I need to get well in? Maybe for those who've been married, maybe it's, it is, is your marriage. Because we all want a stronger marriage, or we should do, but am I honest enough, am I prepared to ask some honest questions? Because you don't fluke healthy marriages. I tell you what, it's really easy to fall in love. It's pretty hard to stay in love. If you want to fall in love, all you need is some hormones and a pulse. There's a lot of those on the front row. <laughs> Let me tell you, it's a whole lot harder to stay in love. Anyone been married over 20 years? You heroes. Come on, give these guys a hand. Absolute heroes. Role models. Legends. It's harder to stay in love because you've got to work at it. And we have to ask ourselves the question, and my wife and I have been doing this. Everyone thinks everything's hunky-dory on a Sunday, but how's it really on a Monday? How's it when the lights go out? How am I really with handling money? You know, we walk in and everything looks good, but let's be honest, who wants to be financially secure? Four of us, brilliant. (coughs) Dustin, we need to do a financial series. Who wants to be financially secure? I think we all do, or we should do. But the question is, do we really want to get well? Do we really want to get well? Because if we're really, really committed to financial security, then we'd get rid of the credit cards. Oh God, I want just bless me. Swipe, swipe, slap, tap. You know. (laughs) Do we really want to get well in our finances? Oh God, bless me. I can't afford my tithe this month. God, don't be silly. I can't. 10%, I can't afford 10%. Bless me, Lord. Bless me, Lord. Oh, God, my, you know, I need, I just need, need a makeover. I need to bless my health is struggling. <laughs> Refill Coke. Sugar. Oh, God, I'm struggling today with my health. You need to heal me. And God's like, what? <laughs> Do you really want to get well? Do you really want to get well? Sorry if it's too practical. Do you really want to get well? Because the second question is this. Am I prepared to change? Am I prepared to change? Notice this, I, not you. Because I'm preaching to myself and you're just listening. One man had been an invalid for 38 years. 14,000 days of groundhog the same rhythm, the same thing. 14,000 days. You know, sometimes that can be us. 
insanity. We might be honest and admit, yes, I need to, I need to get well. But the second question is this, am I prepared to change? After 7-in-7 seven seven last year, I, I've been ill. And I, I got pneumonia. And then I got, I've got asthma as well. And so I've been struggling with my health. And it was in December, I got real sick. And I was off work and struggling with my breathing. I had two asthma attacks. And for those who struggle with asthma, you'll understand what that is on top of pneumonia, and I was in bed, and I was so sick. And we have a, a doctor in our church, a beautiful man, and he came to visit me. My wife was there, and we sat, we sat in my room. And he grabbed my hand. He said, do you want to get well, which is where this message started. I said, of course I want to get well. I want to run again. I want to get going. I want to build the church and do all the things that I want to do. And my wife started to cry, and he said, no, you don't get it. He said, do you really want to get well? I said, yeah. He said, then you've got to change. You've got to change how you spend your time. He's got to change how, what meetings you go to and what meetings you don't go to because you are driving yourself in the ground. He said this, if you do not change, he said, you might not be here in 12 months. Sometimes you've got to have some brutal, honest conversations. He said, you've got to start listening to your body. You've got to start listening to your doctor. And you've got to start listening to your wife. You see, I wanted to get well, but I didn't want to change. Many of us, we want to get well, genuinely want to get well. We want our marriages, we want our finances, we want our lives to get better. But the reality is this, we don't want to change. This invalid, he didn't want to change. He was just prepared just to go through the motions. Whatever you're trying to accomplish in life is going to require change. If you've been trying to get fit and healthy for 38 years and nothing's changed, you need to do some changing. If you've been trying to save money for 38 years for a house and you're not there yet, guess what? You need some change. If you've been trying to find a husband for 30... I'll stop. We might need to change. Last January, I decided I was going to get fit. 2019 was going to be my year. New year, new me. So I hired a personal trainer. He was a great guy. And I went into him and I said, look, he didn't know God. I said, here's the deal. I said, if you work on my outside, I'll work on your inside. I'm doing better than he is. He said, okay, here's the deal. He said, we're going to meet every week at least two or three times. He says, now you need to stop doing this, this, and this. Stop eating this, this, and this. Stop drinking this, this, and this. And you need to start doing this, this, and this. And I said, his name's Sev. I said, Sev, there must be another way. <laughs> I said, isn't there a powder or a pill or a shake or something that can just, you know, those things you can put on, just shakes you. Just shake it all off. Just. He said, they're all gimmicks. Just marketing gimmicks. No one gets fit on a muscle shaker or a pill. He says, if you want to get fit, you go to the gym. You work hard and you sweat because sweat is fat crying. That's good, eh? There must be another way. He said, no. He said, if you want to get fit, you need to change. Oh, John, I want to be closer to God this year. I've been singing that song this morning, that beautiful song. More of you, God, more of you. And God's like, if you want more of me, set your alarm earlier. 
David said, find me early, seek me early, I may be found. I'm like, no, I get my bed, my bed is so warm. I've got a new tempera mattress and so comfortable. God's like, well, if you really want more of me, come find me because I'm right there. If you really want more of me, you won't listen to the latest music on the way to work, you'll listen to worship. If you really want more of me, you'll seek me while I may be found. Because we like the sound of getting closer to God, but it requires change. So the question is this, in light of where I want to be in 12 months, or the end of this decade, what changes do I need to make to get there? In 10 years, I want to still be married. Chantal and I, we sat down, we said, in 10 years, we want our marriage to be stronger, we want to be emotionally stronger together, we want to be every area, we want our sex life stronger. Oh, he said sex in church, God created it. But here's the thing. God wants your marriage to grow. He wants you to get stronger physically, emotionally, sexually together. He wants you to grow. We've got to set goals together, which means we've got to have more date nights. We've got to tell each other we love each other more, spend more time with each other. If we want to get well, we've got to change. Nothing changes until I do. Say that to the person next to you. Not you, I You know, for Chantel and I, we, like your pastors, we get to sit down with people in our church, in our community, and they pour out their hearts and their issues, and some of the things we hear are, are tragic. And we always, we always reach the same point in every single meeting where we meet people with needs. It's called this, the recommendation moment. The recommendation moment, or as I like to call it, the uncomfortable moment, where someone comes to me and they say, John, my marriage is falling apart. I say, well, here's, we, here's what we want to recommend. We want to recommend you go on this marriage reconstruction. We want to recommend that you spend more time together. We want to recommend that you stop going online late at night. We want to put some recommendations. I was sitting with a guy recently. He was struggling with an online addiction. and He was telling me for half an hour all of his problems. And I said, can I stop you? I said, would you pass me your phone? Sam, just pass me your phone. This wasn't Sam, by the way. <laughs> he passed me his phone and I said, you know they call these a smartphone? I said, these aren't actually that smart. Because this is tearing your life up. So I had a Nokia 3110 in my drawer. You know what they are? You can just talk to people, old school. I said, hey, have this as a gift from me. He's like, what do you mean? I said, well, that ain't as smart as it looks. And that's a wise thing. Because wisdom is better than smart. I said, you can't look at stuff on the, on the Nokia 3110, apart from the phone book. That won't get you into trouble. He said, no, 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 you don't understand. I, I, can, I can deal with it. I said, no, you can't. I said, if you really want to get well, you need to change. That's for someone in here as well, someone struggling with online addiction. The first thing you do is get rid of your smartphone because it ain't smart. It's ruining your life. Find a season where you, you come away because if you really want to get well. I'm not talking about you like the idea of getting well, but if you really want to get well, you've got to get some of the apparatus out of your life that's causing you to stumble. John, I'm really struggling with anxiety. My anxiety is going through the roof. Come off social media. 
Come off social media because social media is driving anxiety through the roof. People are comparing themselves. People are struggling. Everyone wants to be somewhere they're not. Everyone's got destination disease. Come off social media. I came off for six weeks. It was the best six weeks of my life. First two days were hard, but let me tell you, it's like this detox. Try it. If you really want to get well. Number three and the third question. Is this helping anyone? How are you doing at the back? Everyone getting well at the back? There we go. Am I prepared to let go of comparison? So, sir, when the water is stirred, I don't have anybody to put me in. By the time I get there, somebody else is already in. This invalid, he remained sick, sick for 38 years because he constantly compared himself to everyone else. He said, I don't have anybody. Somebody else is always chosen. I feel rejected. I feel left out. You know, I went to Bible school or bridal school, as it turned out to be. My wife, honestly, she stalked me. She chased me. Anyway, come back tonight. I'll tell you that story. That's a lie. That was the other way around. I went to Bible school and I wasn't chosen. I felt I had a gift of communicating, speaking, preaching, teaching. No one ever chose me. The only time I ever got chosen to be on a platform was they were doing a Hillsong album recording and they needed tall people to be on the back row. And I later found out that the microphone above my head wasn't even on. And we live in an age where we're so aware of everyone else. Everyone else is getting chosen. Everyone else gets to speak. Everyone else gets to travel. Everyone else gets chosen. Why always me? Why am I always the one getting left out? We constantly compare ourselves to other people's jobs, their salaries, how many followers they have on social media. We even compare our blessings. Oh, they're getting healed. They're getting blessed. And this invalid for 38 years was comparing themselves. Look at what you're doing for everyone else. Look at what you're doing. Jesus said this. In the middle of the commotion, Jesus walks over. All he says is this. Get up! Have you ever prayed like that? Have you ever walked up to a sick person? You know, we're all compassionate. Hello. So sorry you're in a condition. Can I pray for you? Jesus just walks over and says, get up! 38 years. Doesn't introduce himself, doesn't say anything, just says, get up! And everyone else is looking at the pool for their miracle. If I can just get into the pool, I'll be healed. If I just get the new job, I'll be happy. If I just get married, I'll be satisfied. If I just get a new car, I'll feel fulfilled. Let me tell you, comparison will keep you sick. Comparison keeps you sick. I've been there. I've laid in bed on a Sunday night and I thought, hey, we had an incredible day at church and all of a sudden, <gasps> look what everyone else is doing. Look at that pastor. Look at that church. Everyone puts their best photos on social media, don't they? We never put an empty block of chairs on social media, do we? Hey, check out church at Seoul today. No one's here. Praise God. Check out the offering containers. Nothing's in them. No, we put our best, don't we? Because we want to show off. We all do it. Look at me. I wonder if we could be honest here today and say I'm a little bit like this invalid guy. This is a thing I struggle with. Constantly comparing myself. Keeps you sick. 
If only I'd come up with the idea. If only I had a better voice. If only I did this. If only I'd get that. Jesus' response was this. It was beautiful. He says this. He says, you don't need the pool. You need me. You don't need what everyone else has. You don't need that. You don't need this. He says, you have me. I'm going to show myself completely different. Stop comparing yourself to the next person on social media. Stop comparing yourself to the church up the road. Trust me to get you to your destiny. Jesus walks in. The fourth question is this, and this is this, this message is about to take off. I'll tell you why, because the keyboard's playing. There he is. You make me sound all spiritual. Number four. Oh, time's going. Am I prepared to let the supernatural power of God loose in my life? Fourth question. Am I prepared to let the supernatural power loose in my life? The Bible says this. This is one of my favorite lines in Scripture. It says, the man was healed on the spot. This is where we're different from Alcoholic Anonymous. This is where we're different from a self-help book. This is where we're different to a Think Yourself Happy class. This is where we are different to secular counseling. And let me tell you, all those things are good and all those things we need. But we also believe that something outside of the natural, it is called the supernatural power of God. And so often we are looking for natural answers to supernatural problems. And this man had been an invalid for 38 years. He was probably missing limbs. He was, he, he was in big trouble and he was looking for a natural answer, which was somebody to get him to the pool first. And Jesus comes along, he messes up the game. He messes it all up. And he says, just says, get up. Get up. And it says, immediately, he was healed on the spot. We do not see enough supernatural miracles in church anymore. Fact. I'll tell you why. Because we've put so much emphasis on the natural. On the program, on the system, on the class. And we need all of it. But we cannot function without the supernatural, on the spot, power of God at work in people's lives. We cannot push that out of the door. So right now, if you need to be healed from an addiction, you've got a health issue, you've got a financial challenge, you've got a family circumstance, you've got a marriage breakup, stand to your feet right now. Because I'm going to believe right now that Jesus is here. And he's going to heal people on the spot, on the spot. Jesus, His power is at work right now on the spot. You've been looking for your answer, for your miracle in all the wrong places. And right now God is here and He has moved in. He says, I'm changing the rules. I'm messing up the game. There's a new, new miracle coming. It's an on the spot miracle. Right now, lift up your hands. I'm going to pray for on the spot miracles to break out in this room. Someone standing up around you, just place your hand gently on their shoulder. Right now, I'm going to pray for miracles. Miracles right now. Father, what you did for that invalid of 38 years, you can do right now. And Father, we are sorry 
for looking for natural answers, natural miracles to supernatural problems. And Father, I invite the supernatural power of God to let loose in people's lives. Right now, I speak deliverance. I speak health. I pray against addictions to pornography, addictions to alcohol, addictions to nicotine, to break right now off people's lives. Right now, by the power of Jesus' name, healed on the spot. Jesus' name. Now receive it. Receive it right now. Receive it right now. In Jesus' name. Cancer, I command you to leave this room right now. If there's cancer in this room, I command you to go in the name of Jesus. Leave people's bodies right now. Leave people's bodies right now. In Jesus' name. So on here, you have a chronic backache. You have struggled with backache. In fact, you've struggled with it for so long, you can't even remember life in, 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 in peace in your, in your back. Where are you right now? You, you struggle with backache. Step down and forward. Quickly, get out in front. Quickly. I'm breaking up the program, but that's what Jesus did. He messed it all up. He just came in. God's going to heal backs right now in Jesus' name. Come on, quickly. Out, out, out. That's it. You don't have to get in the pool today because Jesus is here. You don't have to try and do what everyone else is doing to get healed because Jesus is here right now. That's it. Just lift up your hands right now. Maybe some of our prayer team, just stand behind these guys. We're going to pray right now. God's going to heal your back in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The Bible says we lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. If you can't solve it, you need God right now. Father, I come against this back condition in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. 38 years, Father, I command it to go right now. Right now. In Jesus' name, it's going right now. We pray for the supernatural right now, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, right now. Health spring forth speedily in this body right now. In Jesus' name. 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 Right now. Thank you, God. healing power of God is in here right now. There's a mum or a dad or a mum and you've been separated from your children. There's been a disconnect through, it could be a family fallout, it could be they've wandered away from God, but God right now is going to heal your children wherever they are. Where are those parents you've disconnected from your children? Right there, over here, over here, over here, right now. Healing power of God right now. Healing power of God right now. Right now in Jesus' name. Father, I pray wherever those children are, in Jesus' name, you would heal them and bring them back to you. Wherever they are right now, I pray that you would just bring peace into their car, bring peace into their bedroom, bring peace into their situation. I thank you that mothers and fathers will be reunited with their children. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You guys can take your seats. Every day, Jesus can heal you on the spot. Heal you on the spot. Fifth question was this. Am I prepared to look past the mat to see the miracle? Since that happened to be the Sabbath, the Jews stopped and healed the man and said, it's the Sabbath. 
You can't get healed on the Sabbath. You know, the Jews, they have 600 laws that they try to keep. 600. Anyone thankful for the grace of God? 600 laws. 600 do's and don'ts. And they spend their whole life trying to keep the law. And two of those laws are this. You can't be healed on the Sabbath. And you can't walk at long distance on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees would sit there on the side of the road and they would measure in cubits how far people were walking. And if they went over a certain length, they would point the law back at them. They would judge them. And this is the thing. While they were paying attention to the law, they missed the miracle. This man, he wasn't, he wasn't unfamiliar to anyone. If someone sits in the same spot for 38 years, you know who they are. He must have been the joke of the town. Jesus comes along. He heals this guy. And what the religious people are caught up in is that he's walking on a, sun, on a Sabbath. Wow. You see, you can miss the miracle because you get caught up with the mat. Our, our church in Norwich is a 50-year-old miracle. We took over. We inherited, like Pastor Dustin and Jamie, inherited an incredible church. 50 years of heritage. We came in and we kind of messed up their way. Like the pastor doesn't wear socks. God can't move if the pastor doesn't wear socks. I always just tell people it's budget cuts for the new building. We've seen, we've seen over 2,000 decisions for Christ over the last five years. We've seen people in their hundreds. Our Christmas production. We had over 10,000 people, unchurched people, come through the door this year to hear the message called the wonder, the true wonder of Christmas. We're seeing people being healed. We had a man who was stage four cancer healed in the service three weeks ago. He was an American. He came back. He said, I need to see the doctor completely clear. We're seeing a breakout of the supernatural. But here's the deal. There's some people in church, they still can't see it because they're wound up that we sing songs that aren't their style or the lights aren't where they want them or the pastor's got holes in his jeans. You know what? In church, sometimes you've got to look past the mat and keep focused on the miracle. This is no ordinary thing that's happening. Do not get caught up in the little things and offenses in church and miss what God is doing. So easy to miss it. It's a bit of an odd thing to throw in at the end of the, of the sermon, but it's right here that people can actually miss what God's doing because we get caught up in, oh, they talk about money too much. or they just, There's always going to be things in church we don't see eye to eye. But here's the thing. My focus is not on the mat. My focus is on the miracle. And as long as the supernatural power of God is moving, I'm in. I'm not going anywhere. I'm still part of it. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Church 1132 broadcast. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com.